Yeah, that's the question. How, how do you keep uh, a mindset from coming, becoming a mind trap? And, uh, and, and it's so interesting, um, you know, when I was, uh, in nothing, I don't think anyone likes to, to be trapped, right? I mean, no one likes to be trapped. And uh, a, a couple years ago, um, we had a family reunion in, in Colorado, and, uh, and on the way, our family... Um, went into a cave. This is Scorpion Cave. It's, uh, it's in Salida, Colorado. Some of your teenagers were in this cave last summer. And, uh, and so, but it is tight. It's super tight. And uh, in fact, the entry is, is like you're climbing back into the womb. It is like, it is so scary. And, and when you tell everyone it's Scorpion Cave and you have to, get, literally, you have to get on your belly to get into the cave, into the mouth of the cave, it is, it's terrifying. But uh, it, the thing is, it's, it's really tight, but uh, when we were in there, it's, it's, it's not so much that you can't maneuver around, it's not so much the physical part, even though it is tight, it's, it's what's going on in your mind, right? You're fighting your mind. You're fighting your mind of of this is this is too tight. This is I'm feeling trapped. There's something in us we don't like being trapped, and uh, and and when it's you know just a, a mindset. When when we think about being trapped in our mind, um, you know it's like yeah I just I got to get my mind right. There's there's you know my I'm I'm not in a good place right now. Well, what do you mean you're not in a good place right now? In other words, my mind isn't isn't wrapped around it right. My, I'm not thinking about it right. I'm trapped in a mindset. I'm trapped in a thought. I'm trapped in a group of thoughts that, that I know isn't quite right, that isn't, but I'm, I, I'm not sure how to get out of it, and I'm not sure how to redirect it, but I need to. And the older you get, the, isn't it true, you, you start to see, you kind of you become a veteran at seeing some of, the, some of the traps that come and that we fall into. And, uh, and so... Over the next few weeks, I want to talk about some of the traps that we allow our minds to get into, and it leads us um, to a place where we, we basically, you know, uh, become paralyzed, where, where we're useless, where we can't, we can't move forward. And so today, today's mind trap is the victim trap, the victim mindset, the victim trap that we can so easily fall into. And before I start out, I do want to say, you know, um, there are some victims. In fact, I think every single one of us could claim victimhood. And as we get into this a little bit farther, you're going to see it's like, yeah, I think all of us could. And, uh, and, and what I want to talk about today is not to minimize the pain, because when something happens to you and, and, uh, and you're legitimately a victim, uh, there's pain there. And I don't want to to minimize that pain at all. That's not the purpose of this at all. It's just, it, but, but I, won't, I don't want you to stay there. And if you stay there, then, then, then you're trapped and, and you can't move forward. So I don't want to minimize through our, my presentation this morning, through this sermon, to minimize the pain because certainly there is pain and, uh, and there should be, you know, compassion um, around that. But the victim mindset, it paralyzes us. In other words, I, 
as long as I have a, a victim mindset, is I, I'm, I'm paralyzed. I can't move forward in life. I, I, I can't move forward in, in what God's called me to do. I can't move forward in what the goals are that are, are out in front of me. It basically just kind of paralyzes me. And, and, I, and, and, and we can't seem to get out of it. We can't seem to move forward with our life. And we kind of have, you know, some reasons for that. And we're going to talk about some of those things. Another part of being a, a victim mindset is we stay in a debt-to-debtor mindset. Someone did this to me. They owe me. Or that group of people said this about me, or that group of people did this to me, or my boss did that to me, or my coworker did that to me, or my neighbor did that to me, my husband did that to me, my wife did that to me, my mom did that, oh no, I didn't say that, my, my dad, my, my father did that to me, my parents did that to me, my professor did that to me, I mean it just goes on and on and on and on, they owe me, it creates a debt-to-debtor relationship. And as long as we stay in that debt-to-debtor relationship, it's why it paralyzes us, because they owe me. And as long as they owe me, then I kind of have an excuse. I kind of have an excuse. We use it as an excuse not to take responsibility. Graduates, you are about to enter college, or you're about to enter the next phase of your life, and maybe you're just going into a, a, a workplace, and, uh, and I'm telling you what, your boss isn't going to care. He's not going to care. He's not going to care what the excuses are of why, and you're like, well, but I don't have to take responsibility. I'm the victim here. I'm the victim, and, and, and they owe me, and so I don't have to do anything. I, I don't. I shouldn't have to move forward. I'm going to stay here, and when they pay, you know what, then, then I'll reevaluate. But I'm going to be paralyzed. I'm going to stay here, and, 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 and they owe me, and it's debt to debtor. And I have an excuse of why I don't have to take responsibility for my life. And it... It paralyzes us, doesn't it? It hurts us in our relationships. It, it hurts us in the workplace. It, it hurts us in every area of our life. It's why I don't have to do the, you know, the homework. It's why I don't have to hand it in on time. It's why I don't have to show up to work on time. It's why I don't have to put in a full day's work. It's why I don't have to do this. I don't have to do that. It's why I can just go home and veg. I don't have to take responsibility. See, the victim mindset, we think it puts us in a special category. We think it, it puts us in a special category that's different than everybody else's. My victimhood is different than everyone else's victimhood. Because they're not actually victims. I'm, I'm, I'm in a special category, and since I'm in a special category, I should get special treatment. I'm in a special cat. I'm in a special part of victimhood. I'm, and so people should treat me differently than they treat are treating everyone else. But the truth is, all of us, I don't care who you are, all of us are victims. We can all claim it. Every single one of us has been mistreated by someone. 
Every single one of us has, has been mistreated. Every single one of us has, has experienced something that wasn't right, that was done to us, that, was, uh, that, 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 that wasn't right, that was said to you that wasn't right. Someone may have stole something from you and that wasn't right. Maybe you didn't get that job. Maybe you didn't get that promotion. Maybe you, you, know, you, you, you didn't get the, the grade that you should have gotten. Maybe you didn't get into the school that you should have gotten. You, should, you didn't get that job that you should have gotten. And every single one of us can claim victimhood. And you know what? We might be right. We might very well be right. But we can't move forward as long as we stay in that mindset. It becomes a trap that we fall into. See, it's so interesting. Um, if, if there was anyone who could have claimed, you know, special treatment and, and, uh, and, and special victimhood, it was probably Helen Keller. When she was very young, she lost both her eyesight and her hearing. So before she could speak, before she had learned to speak, she had lost her eyesight and she had lost her hearing. This is what she said. Self-pity is our worst enemy. Oh, wait a second. Helen, of all the people, you ought to be able to leverage victimhood for your, you know, for your gain. Everyone should owe you. And she's like, no, self-pity, it's, act, it's actually the opposite. Self-pity is our worst enemy. And if we yield to it, we can never do anything wise in this world. We can never move forward. You never move forward in, in, in your relationship. Never move forward in terms of maturity because you have an excuse to stay right where you are. And in her case, <laughs> She went on to do extraordinary things, amazing things. Epictetus, you remember him from history? <laughs> Only Jim's like, yep, yeah, I remember that. Remember him. Okay, you graduates, you, you remember him, right? No, you don't remember him. But he was a, uh, he was a, he was a Greek historian in the first century, and uh, he was actually born a slave. He was born a slave, and he was a slave until Nero died. And when Nero died, he was set free. And this is what he says. We are disturbed not by things, but by the view which we take of them. We, we're disturbed not by things. He became this philosopher and, and um, amazing guy, but by the view which we take, in other words, the perspective that we've, we take of them. It's either, we're either going to take a view of it where I'm going to be the victim and I'm going to stay stuck and I'm going to say everyone else owes me and I'm not going to move forward or I'm going to say, you know what? I, I, yeah, I might be a victim, but I'm not going to stay here. That's a trap. I'm going to move forward. So where, where do we get this? Where, where does this victim mindset, well, I think it, I think it comes naturally. I mean, if you have two-year-olds, <laughs> woo, yep, they're always the victim, right? And, uh, and, and if I'm honest, you know, I hate to admit this, but the youngest typically is a victim, right? And I'm the youngest of eight, so I'm really a victim, <laughs> really a victim. See, and I should leverage that for all it's worth, 
but since I'm preaching that I shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't. So um, here's the thing. I mean, we could stay stuck, but where does it come from? Lots of times it comes from our family of origin. So sometimes it comes from our temperament. Some of you are half, you know, glass half empty people. You just, that's just kind of the way your temperament is. It's kind of the way you're wired. You're, you, you, you see things and, and you tend to be uh, more of a pessimist than an optimist. Some of you are half, you know, glass half full people. It's just the way you're wired. It's your temperaments and, and you just kind of see the world that way and, and you always tend to be optimist. Even, even when things never go the way they're supposed to go, you just keep seeing it that way. And so some of you are, you know, it's just the natural way that you, you go. Other, others of you, you know, your, your home family of origin, you just grew up where, you know, maybe mom and dad were always a victim, and so they per- personified this victimhood, you know, we're, we're the victims, other people owe us, you know, things never go the way they're supposed to go, and, and, uh, and so they kind of just lived in that mindset, and they lived in that trap, and you grew up in that trap, and, uh, and, and, and misery was just kind of the rule of the day, and so you just adopted it that way, that's, that's, and it's very difficult for you to, to think that maybe you could live a different way. Well, talking about a, uh, a family and maybe a, a very dysfunctional family, um, there's a family in, in the Bible in the Old Testament, um, and, uh, and this, this family was, you know, was, was dysfunctional enough that the dad had a couple of wives. One, um, he, he loved more than the other one, um, Probably shouldn't go with two wives. But anyway, uh, he, she, he ended up having 10 sons with the one wife, and, uh, and the wife that he really loved, they couldn't have children. And finally, they ended up having a couple of sons. And, uh, and so the firstborn, of, the firstborn son of the wife that he really liked, um, you know, they were, he was favored over all of the other brothers. Well, guess what the other brothers felt like? The victim, right? Because dad loves that son more than he loves all of us, and so we're victims, and I'm sure they were, and, and, and so they claimed victimhood, and, uh, and, and then one day, and of course, it didn't help that the son was, was, was younger than all of them, and he was a little cocky, um, and so one day, the dad sends this son uh, out as the older brothers who were having to tend the sheep and the younger brother who didn't have to work all that hard. Um, but they, you know, dad sent him out to, 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 to bring food to the brothers. And, uh, and, and he shows up and he's, he's coming from a distance and the brothers who are, you know, in the victim mindset, we're the victims here. You know, we ought to do something. After all, we're gonna do something to him. Why are we gonna do something to him? Because he owes us. Debt to debt a relationship. You see it? There it is. And so they're thinking, oh, well, we're just going to do something. We'll take care of this. We'll get even with him. And so they, they're, they're around this well, this great big cistern, and it was dry. So they throw him in. They throw him in and thinking, you know what? We're just going to go with that. And, 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 and we're going to come up with this story to be able to tell dad, hey, you know, Something you know terrible happened to to this favorite son of yours, and uh, and the wild animals got to him. So so sorry, you know it's tough. And then all of a sudden, some 
some slave traders are coming, and uh, they're riding their camels, and, and then the brothers are like, oh, 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 now this is even better. We don't have to have the guilt. We don't have to have the guilt of someone's blood on our shoulders, so we're going to just sell him, and we can make a profit. This is even better. So we're not going to kill him. We're going to sell him, make a profit, and, uh, and then we're going to you know, tell dad the same sad sob story, but we're all going to know, hey, we don't have his blood on our shoulders. So they sold Joseph into slavery. And Joseph is taken to Egypt. And so now who is the victim? Well, Joseph is. And Joseph is sold to Potiphar, and he is his slave. He is his property. And, and Joseph had every right to be a victim. He had every right to just sit back and, have, and claim victimhood, and he would have been absolutely right. He was done wrong. And instead, I don't know how Joseph did this, but he had a mindset that, that kept him out of that trap, and, and, and he, he moved forward with it. Even in the midst of the pain, even in the midst of the, of the confusion, even in the midst of, I would imagine, some great bitterness towards his brothers that they would do such a thing to him, he was able to engage with what God made him good at, and so he just you know what? He started saying, I'm, I'm, I'm going to just, I'm going to engage with what I think God is, has made me to be good at. And as he was engaging with that, Potiphar saw it. And pretty soon, Potiphar starts putting him in charge of a lot of things in his household. Well, one day, his, Potiphar's wife, she thought Joseph was a pretty good looking guy. And she's thinking, you know, maybe there's something that could happen between us while Potiphar is out. And so she's trying to make that happen. And uh, in the middle of when, you know, all of the, uh, every, all the servants are gone, you know, Potiphar's wife kind of makes her move. And, and Joseph runs out of the house. But before he runs, she grabs his outer coat. And instead of going back to get it, he just leaves. Well, Potiphar's wife Guess what she does? She fakes like she's a what? Victim. There it is. And guess what Joseph, and so Potiphar is like, he's super mad, right? He's super mad, but he doesn't know the actual truth. He's super mad. So now Joseph is not only victim once, he's victim twice. And he's thrown into prison. And so now he's kind of like, what am I doing here? And, and, and I'm just telling you, I don't know. He just refused to take on this victim mindset, this victim trap. And even in prison, even in prison, he, he, he used the gifts that God gave him to, to enable him to be in a position where when a couple of guys who worked for Pharaoh, and then were thrown in prison. They had some dreams, and Joseph interpreted the dreams for them, and one was not such a great dream. The other dream was like, hey, you're going to get your job back, and hey, um, it's not going to go well for you. So in a, couple, in, in, in a couple of days, that's exactly what happened. Except, and, and Joseph told the, the, the guy, hey, when you get out, 
will you remember me? And he's like, oh, yeah, 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 I'll remember you. Well, he forgets. So now Joseph is victim one, he's victim two, and he's victim three. He's the one who came up with the dream, and he's the one that set these guys up for success, and the guy turns around and doesn't remember him. And years go by. Years go by, and for all Joseph knows, he's going to spend the rest of his life in prison in a place he never deserved to be in the beginning. I mean, talk about a guy who could claim victimhood. Joseph was the guy. Well, pretty soon, Pharaoh has a dream. And the the guy who had been in prison and Joseph had told him what his dream was and was back working for Pharaoh, he remembered Joseph then. And so they take Joseph out and, uh, and, and Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dream and as a result, Pharaoh puts Joseph in charge of the entire kingdom. And sure enough, the very things that Joseph said would happen, happened. And there was a great famine. And fortunately, they had saved for seven years all of this excess. And uh, in the land of Canaan, where Joseph had come from originally, the, 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 the poverty there was so great, the drought was so great, that they, the, the dad sent all of his sons down to Egypt to get some grain. Well, when they show up, they don't recognize Joseph, but Joseph recognizes them. And all of this emotion is going on, and he's wrestling. Joseph is wrestling with, what do I do? Do I pay him back? Because it's debt to debtor, and here's my opportunity. I'm in a position now where I could pay them back. What do, what do I do with them? And, and, and I'm just telling you, Joseph was able to connect some dots that we rarely ever connect. But I'm just telling you, if we could connect these dots, it will keep us from being in a victim trap, in a victim mindset. And so when Joseph's brothers find out who he is, they're scared to death. Because they realize he has the position and the power to pay us back, and he should probably pay us back. And so we catch up with the story in Genesis chapter 50, verse 19. But Joseph replied to his brothers, don't be afraid of me. Am I God? Should I take things into my own hands? Am I God that I can punish you? In other words, I'm going to allow the sovereignty of God to deal with you. In our victim mindset, is it possible that we could connect the the dots that God is sovereign, and yes, you may have been done wrong, and yes, you could claim victimhood all day long, and you would be absolutely right, but could we connect a dot that God is sovereign and God could deal with it? We sometimes, many, many times, are not in a position where we, would, where we could even deal with it. And even if we could, we wouldn't deal with it right. So can we hand it over to God and say, God, you're sovereign. 
and I'm just going to let you deal with this in your time. That's exactly what Joseph has done. He connected another dot. You intended it, you brothers. You intended to harm me. You thought you were the victims, and so you harmed me. But God, behind all of it, behind all of this stuff that you thought, you know, you were doing and getting back and paying and and all the stuff, behind all of that, God intended it for good. God had a plan. God's sovereign will was at work. He brought me to this position. How in the world Was Joseph able to move forward with that mindset? Because I guarantee you, this would have never happened had Joseph just claimed victimhood and stayed trapped. God brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Is it possible that God... Yes, in his sovereignty, and yes, has, have you been mistreated? Yes, have you, have you been in positions where, you know, that should have never happened to you? Absolutely. Can God redeem it? Absolutely. And maybe you are put there for just a, such a time as this, where God now has prepared you to be able to minister to others. I remember when Jen and I moved here, the, and I was thinking, man, we're moving back to Nebraska. It's going to be so awesome. The people are so great here. And uh, it's going to be an awesome community. And the first five years we were here were, was hell. It was awful. It was terrible. It was just, it was horrendous. And, and in the middle of it, you know, it was just like victim, 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 victim. And, and I look back on that time now, and although I would never, ever, ever want to go back through any of those things that we went through in the first five years that we were back here, I am so grateful that we went through it, and I can see looking back, God preparing me to be in ministry for the past 13 years. So I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, God's sovereignty behind it all, if we can connect those dots, and I realize it's hard to connect those dots, isn't it? Because in the middle of it, it doesn't feel good. It's painful. It's hard. Could God be setting up the circumstances around you to do something in you and through you? See, God needed to do something in me. He needed to root out some pride in me. And the only way that that was going to happen was through severe pain. And so he loved me enough to root it out. Or I should say he rooted some of it out. To do something in you so that he could turn around and do something through you. And I'm, you know, I I think about Jesus in, 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 in this whole area of victimhood and and, uh, and, and Joseph is, a, is an incredible example of pushing through it. But I think about Jesus and, and what Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2. Paul says, you must, all of you Jesus followers, you must have the same attitude. The only things that you can control, when it, when it comes down to what you can control, 
is your effort and your attitude, right? All you graduates, you're like, I heard that somewhere from a coach. It's like, so Paul is saying, you can control your attitude. You can't control some of the circumstances that come your way. Life is just hard for everyone. But you must have the same attitude that you can choose that Christ Jesus had. Well, what attitude did he have? Though he was God, in other words, with all of the, 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 the power, all of the, the, the things that come along with being God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. So for me, that means in the realm of victimhood, that although I could claim victimhood as something to cling to, I'm not going to cling to it. Jesus was a victim, and he didn't cling to it. Jesus, he, he was God, and he didn't even, he, didn't, he just discarded equality with God as something to hold on to, and, and instead of holding on to it, he gave it up for me and became a victim for me and for you. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. Aren't there some privileges when we stay in victimhood? Mm -hmm. I get privileges. It's one reason why we want to stay there. It's one reason why we want to leverage it. Because when I put that post on Facebook, everybody pours in, oh, you poor person. I get some privileges, and I like that. It's one reason why I want to stay trapped in it and not move forward. But see, Jesus, he gave up those privileges. And, and Paul's saying, I, I want you to do the same thing as what Jesus has done. He gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave. There's a victim right there. And was born as a human being. So Jesus chose to become a victim on our behalf. And he gave up everything to do it. He willingly chose it. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. So I have one thing for you that I would love for you to do as your application. I, I would love it if you would identify your own victim thoughts. Identify your own victim thoughts. And, and I think as the older you get, the better you can become at, at recognizing them and seeing them. See, when I was, when I was a kid, um, my brothers and I, we could have told, one of the things we love to do is, is say the make and the model of every car that was on the road. When we were, gonna, when, when we were you know, uh, about to pass them, we were like, oh, that, that, that's a Ford, F-150 right there. 1974. We didn't even say the year. And all of a sudden, because you, I mean, you, you recognize it. Now, I have no idea. I'm lost. I, I don't know any of the vehicles, but my son Shane, my son Shane, he can, he has this knack of seeing Teslas. He loves Teslas. I don't know why, but he loves Teslas. And he's, oh, there's a Tesla. And I'm like, where? I don't, I, and he can identify them because he's looking for them. 
And he sees them all over the place. Not so much around here, but when we went down to Arizona for a week, <laughs> there's Tesla's everywhere down there. So identify your own victim thoughts. All of us are, are tempted to, to grab on to this victim mindset and, and have it become a trap. So recognize it in you. And as I've been thinking about it, I'm like, man, alive, there's some areas in my own life. Pastor Eric needs to work. Some areas where I was like, yeah, I, kinda, I can leverage that. I can leverage that. And it keeps me from moving forward. One of the best things that I heard a counselor say to a married couple one time that just, you know, they had legitimate victim um, backgrounds and, uh, and it caused stress in their, in their marriage. And one of the best things that I heard this counselor say is, I feel and I've heard your pain. Now, I don't want to hear it again. It's time to move on and move forward. Oh, you mean I can't leverage that one anymore? Mm-mm. No, you can, you can have it as a part of your story, and yes, it's a part of your story, but don't bake in the... In the, in the, in the uh, 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 the glory that you can get by telling your story to other people. Don't, don't bake in the glory of that. Don't bake in the, in the victimhood of that. Just use the story to say, but I'm moving on, and God is using that as a part of my story to be able to minister to others. Healing is a choice. And victimhood is something, yes, you've got to choose to heal from. Crossing. Um, mamas, mamas don't raise your children to be victims. Graduates don't live a life of victimhood. It will not serve you well. Crossing, may we have compassion for people and yet challenge them to move forward in what God has called us to do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for becoming a victim on our behalf, choosing that, setting aside everything that you could have leveraged, God, your, your divinity, and all that comes with that, you could have leveraged it. God, the way that we have treated you, certainly you could have leveraged victimhood, but God, you, instead of leveraging it against us, you leveraged it for our good, dying on a cross for our sins. God, thank you for that. And I just, I pray that as this lands on everyone today, that we would begin to identify and become good at saying, mm, yeah, I could probably claim victimhood there, but I'm not going to. I'm, I'm going to move beyond it. And God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you to deal with the areas that I, I, I don't have any control over. And so God, I pray that we would trust in your sovereign will and help us to be able to move forward. In Jesus' name, amen.
All right. Hey. Hello. Hey. How, how are you? I'm great. Happy birthday. Oh, thanks. Happy hey. Mother's Day. Well, thanks. And happy birthday, I guess, too. I, I guess, too. I well, know you know what? what if happened. it weren't for birthdays, I wouldn't be a mom, right? It's true. True. All right. Okay. <laughs> and happy graduation yeah. to all of you graduates That's out awesome. there. Mm -hmm. So congratulations. All right. So the victim. Yeah. The victim. That's kind of a tough one there. I Yeah. It's, it's kind of stung a little bit. Did it sting a little bit? It stung a little bit. Well, I, apparently I did my job then because it, it stung me a little bit too. <laughs> it's, it's one that we like to leverage. Yes. And in our society right now, oh man, it is one that uh, our culture is leveraging um, all the time, and uh, and as a nation, we we will not move forward as a nation if we just continue to to stay in a mindset of victimhood. We won't move forward uh, personally, and that's really what I you know. If we're going to move forward as a nation. We got to move forward individually. So, right. That's that's something that I was thinking about. Is um, I does, it does seem to be a prevalent thought right now is, um, oh, woe is me, or I this has done me wrong. Um, I work in the public school, and uh, we see this a lot, time and time again, <laughs> with all of the, the students, all of the kids. But you know what? And, and, uh, and among the teachers. Yeah. You know? Oh, woe is me. You know, I'm having to deal with this, or I, you know, this or that, and, and whatever. Yeah. Um, we see it. I, I really liked when you talked about... Um, students maybe with coaches mm. we see it on the playing field we see it yeah. we see it everywhere we love to have that excuse yeah. um and I, you you mentioned something about the the excuse oh i can't remember now i, I even wrote it down but now i can't remember what you said <laughs> because my thought immediately went to something i had heard from um a counselor or um uh, neil anderson and he he said something about excuses that has always stuck with me, and it was, um, if you are right, you don't need an excuse. And if you are wrong, you don't have one. And um, that, that's kind of like, ooh, that hurts, because I want to have that excuse, but yet, you know what, it, it's time to grow up and maybe take some responsibility, be held accountable for my own actions, but... Um, yeah, it is a tough. huge step of maturity to get past that mindset and 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 not leverage it for the 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 things that we can extract out of others to ourselves from it. And so it's a it's a really big deal, and it is it is a massive place where maturity takes uh, takes place. And so that's my heart desire for for us as Jesus followers, um, for us as individuals, for us as a nation. That's my heart's desire. Um, you know, you talk about Joseph, and yes, for sure that he had any, every right to, um, you know, claim victimhood. You, you, you walk through Jesus and his thing. Um, even Paul, who wrote that, had every right. I also thought about Esther, and you sort of mentioned that sort of quote from Mordecai that maybe, yeah. you know, you were raised up for such a time as this. Mm -hmm. And I think that, too, about all of us right now living in this day and age, as much as some of us may be grieving where our nation is, but maybe we were brought up right now for such a time as this that we can maybe 
help to transform that victim mindset within our nation or with even just our personal lives out into our communities and maybe eventually out into the yeah. nation and the world? Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. That's, okay. That's a great thought. All right, Crossing. I want to thank you for joining us this morning. Again, happy Mother's Day. Happy birthday. Happy graduation. We will see you all again next week. See you next week.